I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And today we're talking sisterhood, but I will not try on Danny's pants. And my pants aren't traveling anywhere either. Girl, so... I'd be worried if they were. <laughs> <laughs> no one's traveling anywhere, much less your pants. So. <laughs> Oh my goodness. How did that become like such a thing? Have you actually read that book or seen that movie? Girl, hell to the no. <laughs> so like, how do we know? I don't really know what it's, I mean, I could presume to know what it's yeah. about. It's about like some pants and some girls who are friends. Yeah, it's like some girls who are friends and they somehow find these magical, and they're all supposed to be all such dramatic, different types and backgrounds, and yet these pants fit and look amazing. And I think they have adventures in suit. And there's not one of these, but two of these. And I think the premise is similar. They're like, and now they're grown up. Will the pants still fit? I don't, I, maybe I shouldn't project so hard, but you just ever watch a, um, a preview and you're just like, nah, that, that wasn't made for me. That's how I feel about every preview. (laughs) So true. So very, very true. But I thought, I was like, well, we have so much to talk about. I might as well have a tagline that just like, just coasts right into our topic today. And that's Mm. the best I could do. That's the best I could do. (laughs) That's all we can ask of you, (laughs) Jamaica. And that's the theme of, of... 2021 is we're doing our best <laughs> like i don't even know what year it is anymore i did have to think real hard about it and i filled out so much paperwork i'm like 2021 <laughs> <laughs> every single time every single time but i um but we're talking sisterhood today sisterhood as we mentioned in our toolkit bonus ode mm-hmm. this month is international women's month so we're talking a lot about women and women's things this month Mm -hmm. once again i think with i think we've mentioned that in our toolkit before it's just like it seems very focused on our women but non-binary and also male listeners we think this is a very amazing opportunity for you to practice and flex those empathy muscles the more you study and read about someone who has a different experience than yourself it just creates a great opportunity for you to be able to better those relationships and to be a better ally turned co-conspirator so just hang in there like just listen Mm. okay I would say that non-binary folk could fall into sisterhood. This is getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I hmm. think I think a big part of sisterhood is that it is in opposition to the patriarchal system that we live in. Mm. So I feel like non-binary folk are also in opposition to the patriarchal system that we live in. Interesting. I mean, I don't know if they would necessarily want to be called sisters, siblinghood. Yeah. But I, I think we don't have to be completely in absolutes in terms of sisterhood. Mm, I don't disagree. I, I think my thing was making sure that they would not be labeled to a definition of being, like you said, in sisterhood. But I think if we look at it like, oh, siblinghood and having that that openness of without definition of gender. But I guess it's one of those things of... Yeah, I'm totally welcome, especially if you're in that neutrality. Mm. But I think that's a really good dialogue. But I guess that is getting a little tiny ahead of ourselves. 
But I guess that's always a good place to start of how would we define that? And I think some folks may think about this particularly like blood sisters, which I think we're definitely going to talk about today because both Danny and I actually do have blood sisters. But I've always thought of that as just like this devotion, like you said, towards uh, and championship for each other towards building up for for healing and for rest against <laughs> against oppression. And that's what I think wholeheartedly when I think of like sisterhood, it goes so beyond like a kinship and friendship. And I think that's why we kind of we're saying purposely sisterhood and not friendship. Yeah, I think the definition of friendship oftentimes feels too narrow. Right. Mm. So I think sisterhood is kind of like an offshoot of that. We have only one word really to describe relationships that aren't familial or like a lover or a partner. Mm -hmm. And that's friendship. And it's like so open and so broad. So I think we're distilling out the portion of that that is what we're calling sisterhood. And I think it's important to mention here, too, that there is... There is a series of like movies and TV that are all about sisterhood and about these like deep female friendships, deep female relationships. They're depicted in this very particular way. Um, Mm -hmm. And some movies do break the convention a little, but I think we had a bit of a conversation surrounding this topic off air about our own personal struggles with like this word, this like definition, because I don't think either of us necessarily have a girl gang that's Mm -hmm. like the same as we see in TV shows. And I think that it's become this metric that's hard for us to measure against because it's like, no, you know, if I don't have my sex in the city gang, do I really have (laughs) sisterhood? So I think something we're hoping to give all you unicorns out there this month is maybe a chance to reclaim and redefine sisterhood as it best makes sense for you. Mm. We'll let your girl gang define themselves and not have that comparison to because you're right. I think these depictions, there is there's a lack of depth. And like you said, it has that slap label of sisterhood, friendship and not forgetting the complexities and levels and life and stages and, you know, childhood versus professional, professional versus finding them in in a family or stage of life friends. And I think there's a lot more complexity Mm. to sisterhood and also the intermingling of these intersections of your life as well. And so I think that's a really great way to kind of break it down and view it and allow yourselves to be like, these are our layers and this is how we define ourselves within sisterhood. Yeah, I think this is just like my issue with pop culture in general is it gives us these like really narrow definitions or expectations of what relationships should look like. And when I say mm. relationship, I mean like any sort of relationship, not romantic relationship exclusively. And so, yeah, I just want to I just want to give space for for exploration of different types. Yeah. I think I think that's that's my main point here and <laughs> I don't know. I've been thinking about since we decided to do this topic and we have divided it into BIPOC sisterhood for today, really like taking a little stock of of my own life and thinking about what are are these relationships that I would define as sisterhood. 
Mm-hmm. And it's really great. So I think, would you spend just like a little time maybe starting about or talking about our actual sisters? Yeah, that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. And so something that I, w- I was thinking a lot about, like to take a step back, when we're talking about BIPOC sisterhood, mm. as somebody who is mixed race, I feel that it's hard for me to imagine a sisterhood with anyone who is the same mix as me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in my case, even my blood sister, <laughs> though we are <laughs> the same mix, like our experience and the way that we present in the world is so different. So we've had such different experiences in our lives. But for me, I am pretty close to my sister. She's four and a half years younger than me. So young enough that growing up, I really had um, a bit of like a parental role in her Mm. life. And I still to this day, I'm kind of like a protector, (laughs) like (laughs) that sort of figure in her life, a a nurturer. But yeah, I think I think with me and my sister and she lives in another state, Mm. you know, like we don't. We don't talk every day. I hear like these stories of like sisters oh. who like call each other every yeah. morning. Or sisters oh who live together as adults and like that's not us. But Girl. I at the end of the day, like I know she has my back for anything that I need. Mm. Mm. That's good. I think what we talked about at the top of how sisterhood is even blood or otherwise is depicted in movies and things like that there's this theme of normally either one singular race and everyone kind of have looking mm. like each other or once in a while you'll get the the nitpick of one there'll be the one latina there'll be the one black girl and two white girls like normally in a grouping of four so you'll yeah. have like the check mark of light hair and dark hair yeah exactly exactly so you'll have that so even like you said in siblings if you're looking really different within that that is very, you know, you're kind of like, well, what does that mean for us? My sister and I, we are almost exactly two years apart, and but we are, there's three of us. So there's a third and, and so we're almost all exactly two years apart. And because we are a military family, we were all each other had for a lot of the time. You know, we, we were overseas a lot mm-hmm. um, during the 80s, being mixed kids, that was not very popular <laughs> overseas at the time. Right. And, you know, my dad was gone a lot. So it was just different. Kind of the said that same like a, a parental, even though I was only two years of like cooking meals, doing laundry, checking homework, you know, making sure they got to school okay, protecting them at school. There's a lot of those roles that you pick. And um, we were much closer when we were younger. And the older we got, the further we kind of drifted. Because like you said, even though... My sister and we, we look similar. Uh, we have different body types and way different personalities. And because of that, that's led us to have different experiences. And I think also me being more of a protector kind of role went from, it's hard to have just a sister kiki when you also feel the obligation to care for. And so I think that definitely put, you know, a, a different spin and uh, maybe even pressure on that dynamic and relationship. But I think the love is definitely there. Um, like I said, we don't talk every day either. Of course, like we have our differences of opinion because we are night and day and um, 
I don't know. I do. I, girl, I too also know sisters that they work together. I've worked with several siblings that work together. And I'm like, I can not imagine that. That is not, (laughs) that is not a world I live in. That's cool for you. So I think the same thing. I don't think there's a time like when the chips fall, as it were, that she wouldn't have my back and I wouldn't have hers. But I think she is not the person I like confide in. She's not the first person I go to when I'm like, what do you think about this issue? Or she's not the one. And that's not bad. It's just, it's the definition of it is what it is. Mm, mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think this also goes back to that idealized version of mm-hmm. biological sisters, right? Like that we see in the media and what, what that relationship is supposed to look like. It's either like the two who are like fighting all the time or the two who are like inseparable best friends. And I think there's just a lot of nuance in what that relationship looks like. And and I do consider myself closer to my sister than most siblings are. Mm-hmm. But even even we like, you know, we're not like my my mother had two aunts who lived together <laughs> like their whole lives. Like they they never got married and they just lived together. Um, please, so- please make that into a book series. Yeah. I am yeah. into it. If, if they're solving crimes, I'm buying it. This is great. You know, and that's not us. We we have our own lives and we have our own interests and we occupy very different realms in the world. But I think there is something to be said about a person who can serve as a historian to your yes. life. Yes, 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 yes. And, and I think that's the thing of putting that pressure of sisterhood having to be equated with childhood friend. Yeah, yeah. That that right there, I just I would wish we can debunk that because where we have our blood sisters, where you said we have that historian, someone who has that relatability to you because they were there, even though, like you said, you and your sister, because you have the age gap, your responsibility and the things that were put on you were probably different than what were put on her. You guys were still witness, even if you remember it slightly differently, are there. And that's special and that's unique. But when we're talking about this kind of championship devotion intimacy relationship with one another with sisterhood it doesn't have to be defined and tied to that childhood friend experience yeah yeah I agree with that and I think that's something that you and I are both hyper aware of because Mm -hmm. we we are not the people who like grew up and lived in the same house our whole lives Mm -hmm. like both of us moved around um a fair bit you more than I did but I you know I lived in three different states I lived in four different cities I went to a bunch of different schools yeah so like I don't have anyone who experienced like all those things that I've been friends with since like first grade Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't have to in order to have a close bond. And I think that's why we, we want to specifically talk about BIPOC relationships. And we've talked about it a lot on the show within Mixedom to where for unicorns, we may struggle because we're probably not going to have a friend group that's going to have the exact mix as we do. But because we have shared similar experiences that were related and tied to um, to our race, to our mixedom, to our gender, there's going to be this instant connection. Like we talked about before, I love reading emails from other unicorns that just say, I listened to it and I related so much to that. Just that instant connection, not having to uh, explain or go further. I'm like, oh, yep, I got you. 
I got you. Like people touching your hair. Yep. Yes. Yes. You don't have to go any further. And, and I love that. So you don't necessarily need to have grown up with someone to have that. And I think that I'm so excited because this kind of topic we shows up in the podcast that we link to our toolkit with Michelle Obama. Danny's actually the one that suggested that for it. And it was so good. I'm so glad that you suggested that for it because it was a really, really great listen. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about it. So I I think along the lines of what you're saying, I pulled out like a really nice quote from Michelle Obama. So she's talking in this particular episode of the podcast to three of her friends, like three of her very close friends, three of her sisters, who she's like linked up with them in different times in her life. And none of them are childhood friends, which Mm. I, I loved. Mm-hmm. But they were talking a little bit about relationships with other women who are, and Michelle said, my girlfriend group, while it is diverse, it has been so important for me to have Black women in my crew throughout my life professionally because there's a certain relief that comes when you walk into your mm-hmm. friend group and you don't have to explain yourself, which is exactly what you were saying. And I think. For me, when we're talking about BIPOC sisterhood, we're talking about the removal of two layers of explanation, Mm -hmm. right? We don't have to explain what it means to not be male in a male-dominated society, and we don't have to talk about what it means to not be white in a white-dominated society. So there's like, you can just talk. You don't have to like set up the scene and explain just this past weekend, I have um, I have a couple of good friends from grad school. So we've been friends for a decade now, which is crazy to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I started grad school <laughs> more than a decade ago. But they're both Asian, of Asian descent. One's Chinese American, the other one's Chinese Canadian. And so the three of us, like, have just connected via video Skyping or Google Hangout since we finished school because we all live in different places. Mm. And I was talking to them about like some very specific issues that I was facing that were like rooted in race and things. And even though they're a different race, they are not part mm-hmm. of the white dominated society. So I didn't have to explain anything. And they're all like, girl, girl, I know. And then like we're able to share similar experiences. And there's like this, you know, you can commiserate and like understand each other and there's like a certain level of relief there whereas had I had to have that conversation with a group of white people it would have been a different conversation yes yes and I think we we are saying it very plainly in a place where people I think still are very focused on colorblindness where people are still trying to turn the narrative into why can't we all just get along into this narrative of you're trying to separate yourselves no 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 no. what we're desiring is to have an experience of a friendship when we're spending less time explaining defending proving ourselves less time being gaslit and start like devoting more time to healing and deepening that relationship that that is it like yes that is what we're desiring so much like if I could tell you it's friendship I think within the podcasters like there's this friendship but with an asterisk of just like when you have a for me having a relationship or friendship with someone who is white even if we have a closeness there'll always be this little asterisk of if I come to you with something that's happening in my life that is going to be pertaining to my race, which a lot does, there's always going to be this asterisk of me having to explain to then defend and prove. 
always before I can actually get to any healing and deepening and understanding, any compassion, any support, always, always, always. And that is exhausting. And that leads to fatigue and that it should be reviving. Yeah. And that isn't to say that you can't have sisterhood with people who have different experiences. Yeah. And I think that that was that was another lovely part about this particular podcast episode with Michelle Obama is like they did talk about like their differences and just their ways of meeting um, were like rooted in in differences and different experiences. Right. She has these three women, one who she met like professionally, but they bonded because they were both pregnant at the same time. (laughs) One who she met via Washington, D.C. life. (laughs) just was like, hey, there's a black woman there. Yes. I'm going to talk to her. Negate <laughs> <laughs> yes. that diversity. Exactly, exactly. And then the third, who was a mother to her children's friend. Mm-hmm. There's room for all sorts of different experiences. But I think the heart of this episode that we're talking about today is kind of Finding those that common ground rooted in race and gender as mm-hmm. a way to have a safe space to unpack your life and to yes. and to imagine and build the future. Mm-hmm. I love that though. These were these phases of life were segues. They were just excuses, weren't they? And I love mm-hmm. that. Like, of course, it started off with being on the snack run, or you know, I said being in Washington D.C. Like, I love that these were literally just gateways. These were just doors that opened, and it's just like, cool. This is how we had this meet cute, as they say, and we had this opportunity, we had this excuse, and that was the foundation of of laying conversation. But when When it boiled down to it, why do we have this kinship? Because we have the similar experience. We are raising children as Black mothers. We are Black women in Washington. We are Black women having children at this time. Like there was this this beauty and not just being believed. Isn't that just like I don't I don't know if you've ever been in a group of people and they just believe you. It is the most amazing feeling. And if you've not experienced that, I desire that for you. It is that just being believed in itself especially during a time right now when we are still so separated from each other, at the same time experiencing a lot of Mm. collective grief and there's a lot of outrage in it. And I think even in the podcast, there's a lot put on women of color to just fix it and there's to to be strong and to to get with it and we can do anything. And there's a lot of that pressure and just being able to have that connection and that instant in all these different facets of life just in a a moment in a meeting it can just change oh I love that I absolutely love that yeah yeah I really love that too I think there is something really there's a lot really great to take out of that episode but I think one of the things that I kept thinking on and reflecting on is these friendships happened in my mind, like for two reasons. Um, for mm-hmm. two reasons, these happened to Michelle Obama. One, she seemed very like proactive in putting yes. herself out there. Like she knew the importance of friendship for her with other Black women, so she sought it out and she put the effort in. Um, mm-hmm. And two, she just seems like such an open person. Like, not only did she take the steps to, like, lay the foundation and, like, start that connection, but she seemed, like, open and willing to be vulnerable with these women, Mm, which I'm just like, 
I'm Stole just like, words. how? How? How yes. do I be more like Michelle Obama? <laughs> oh my, you you exactly. I have that like written in my notes several times of just like, once again, the difference between that friendship and sisterhood is that vulnerability. Yes. And that I think, because you and I talked about like that struggle and going against this current of what mainstream world and media defines sisterhood. But for me, still struggling in that vulnerability. I know I do. And I can see that mm-hmm. in myself because she flat out put herself out there. Even as a first lady, you know, she didn't let intimidate. She knew that that was going to be an issue. She knew she had a lot to go against. She knew that, you know, there is a lot of, as it said, a circle of trust because there's a lot going on. But still, she realized that the value of having these friendships was more important than all the other details and the difficulty. She let that melt away and said, I need this more than my fear of rejection, my fear of what they may think of me, the fear of being first lady and what that means, how difficult. Even the time she's like talking about having to carve out an hour here and a meeting here, and she still made it work. Just saying, yep, even if it's an hour here or yes. two hours there, carving it and putting in the work. And I I, I really was, I think that those are great things to meditate on, on that vulnerability and doing the work and purposely seeking that out. I was, it was really inspiring. Yeah. And I think I, along those lines, this is like something I, I've thought about often um, and have thought about in terms of the pandemic also, is like, if something is important to you, you Mm. find a way and you find that space. So when people are like, I was too busy, I'm like, no, you were too busy for me, which is fine. Like, that's okay. I don't have to be a priority to every single person I know. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what what life is that? But I think like hiding behind this, this idea of like, I was too busy is is detrimental to everyone Mm -hmm. Um, because I think if it matters, you make that space. Like if Michelle Obama, first lady, (laughs) could make space to maintain these friendships, the rest Uh, of us can too. Girl, put... Let me tell you, I was put into checks and to balances listening to that. Like it, <laughs> I was. But none I of was. us are perfect. It's no. okay. It's okay. Yeah, none it's of totally us are okay. perfect. We're all working on it. Yeah, but I think recognizing it. Because I had this talk with he he is a male, and this is something I also was just like I need to also incorporate female relationships in it. But we have he's my oldest friend, and there have been times where we have gone long periods of time without talking to one another. Now it didn't define it, but we got to a point gosh over a year where we're just like this is just tomorrow's not promised to anyone, and I'm tired of not having you as a regular player, a character, a person, a friendship, and in my life. And so we literally were just like once every other week. It's just, it's a standing date. And even something that I learned a lot uh, living in England, I thought it was crazy. They have their diaries, their journals, their their schedules, right? They will plan something out a month or two months ahead of time. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing in two months. But the fact they're like, I want to have dinner with you. I want to grab a cup of tea with you. Even if it's in two months, you are in there and I want to carve out that time. That the experience with my best friend and also the experience I've had living in England was very eye-opening and very motivating for me to be like now I have um I've created like a writing rota for people like I literally have it in my agenda even if they don't write back or they write back right away it doesn't matter like I'm writing this person I'm connecting with this person like I'm putting in that effort and in today's society where we say we're busy carve out that time 
I, I guarantee, trust and believe, you will yeah. magically find that time if, you, like you said, it is it is indeed worth it to you. Yeah. Two thoughts. One, am I English? Um, I love a good schedule, <laughs> you, and I love putting really someone do. on a schedule. <laughs> you do. They have it's called rotas. So instead of like, they all say like, "Is the next rota out? Are you on the rota?" They love a good ro- <laughs> rota. They they live and die by it. So yes, I'm starting to. You might want to do some twenty three and me there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I look so English. Um, I do not look English. Yeah, for those who've never seen her, way not. <laughs> but my second thought is, yeah, like I've I've struggled with that, and I've struggled, and I think this is where I was going before a little bit. Is like I've talked to several people who have straight up said to me that during the pandemic, they've like really had this reckoning of like, no. The most important friendships, like, stay. Like, mm. I don't have time for fake friendships anymore. <laughs> and, mm. and that isn't to say, like, once things reopen, I think there is space for those, like, people who you see every day and just have, like, small talk exchange. But I think, like, not having that happen makes you realize, like, no, these are the people who are, like, most important. These are the people who I do want to be talking to. And I will make that space and time. And I think my most successful friendships, because I am such a planner and because I pack my schedule, are the friendships where I do make that effort to be like, nope, I'm putting you on my calendar every other week or once a month and we are doing a thing. <laughs> you know, because I think otherwise like life just moves so fast. It's hard. Girl. It's it's easy to just get into your routine and and I imagine as as a mother it must be even <laughs> even more so. I can't. Well, that's another thing, too, of like talking about with sisterhood, not necessarily always having to be in phase of life. But I'm glad she brought that in because when you become a mom, like your life is absorbed. And I think and this is me. I really fought against those like I'm a mom. I must go to mom groups and make mom friends and do the mom things and the school run. But the thing is, that's the only way you meet people. Like in my ignorance, <laughs> that is like the only way you meet people. And even though, especially like once again, a military women who are in a place where they did not grow up. And I mean, there's this running joke that if you meet someone twice, you'll be the emergency contact for their child. Like, because we don't have people, we don't have family, we don't have anyone to to have that safety net for. And so we very quickly have to kind of cut through the BS and been like, are we in this or not? And you have to have those conversations. And I think another reason why people are saying they don't have time for fake friendship is because I think we realized how many friendships were friendships of convenience. And I think that's why another reason why sisterhood is so much different. How many friends did we have were just, we liked going to get coffee. We liked this coffee, so we go get it. We liked hiking. We were a friendship by our enjoyment of activities. We were, we did the school run. So we'd always see each other and, and that was it. And that's as far as it went. Um, we enjoyed books, even a book club. That's how we met. We're a friendship of activities. We're work friends. We would go to this physical building and see each other. We went to school together. And those things are, there's nothing inherently bad. But when we're talking about, hey, I am struggling with this lockdown. Hey, I'm, this election really opened my eyes to a lot of things going on in this country. Or I got pulled over for no reason today. Like, those conversations do not necessarily always happen on school run or with everyone. Those happen with a very specific group of people. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. that, That's totally okay. I think you just have to recognize that. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we were saying about vulnerability and openness. Mm -hmm. And it has to be a two-way street. Um, mm. for for sisterhood for what we're talking about so i guess that's that's the next layer to add mm-hmm. to that is it it has to be a two-way street yes um, someone who you feel comfortable confiding in who never confides in you like you should maybe take take a little bit of stock of that of that friendship and see if there's an imbalance there mm-hmm. and that isn't to say that everything has to be completely equal but i think if if that person isn't confiding in you, you might be overstepping your bounds a little bit in that Ooh. relationship. Here's the thing. We always said there's seasons, right? Just like in a romantic relationship, there's going to be times when your partner needs more and you have to give that. But I think it's always good to assess of like, wow, I've been really, it's been a lot about me, but yeah, I can't get them to confide in me. Do they feel safe with me? And I don't think there's anything, if you feel enough to pour your life into the, <laughs> and tell your soul to this person, I think you're, it's okay for you to be like, do you also feel safe with me as well? To open right. that. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that does, yeah. That's a great point too about seasons. And I think that's, that's another part of, of this sistership um, talk is, you know, relationships change over time. Um, that doesn't mean that they're like going away. It might mm-hmm. mean they're going away. Giving that grace and that space for things Mm -hmm. to change and evolve. I think like myself as a person, I get very attached to things being a certain way. And I find change very difficult. And Mm -hmm. and in particular with my relationships with people, like I don't like when things are changing um, and I fight against it a little bit. But I think like true sisterhood, it's like release a bird and it comes back (laughs) to you or whatever shit. You know, it's it's that it's that feeling. Mm -hmm. And, and but that's what we're saying. Once again, we have to beat against. We have to swim against the. We meet every day at our favorite cafe, or we meet here mm-hmm. all the time, and that's what strengthens your bond. I'm like, no, there's definitely a few people. Like we might only talk every few months, and I feel I can just be as vulnerable to them as someone I talk to regularly. Yeah. So, is there any other tips you have for creating? bonds of sisterhood that we haven't covered yet? Let's see. We've talked about having vulnerability, putting yourself out there, being intentional. I think what does being intentional mean? I think I the Michelle Obama podcast was really great that in her area, she was actively looking. So what does that mean for everyone in their day-to-day life? I think that would be the only thing of, especially if you are a BIPOC woman. For me, this is even something I'm trying to figure out because I'm new to the area and we're in quarantine. So I'm just like, where do I find? <laughs> where, where do I begin? But I even just thinking like right now we have this amazing resource of the internet, been looking into different groups of things of that nature just to kind of be intentional and put myself out there and doing the research. And of course, when the world opens back up again, branching out and participating. And I mean, we, we specifically put ourselves even in a neighborhood that's more diverse as well, just for that reason and being really open to people also in different phases of life as well. I've got people who are older than me, who I would consider to have a sisterhood with. And yeah, I just think what does asking yourself, what does being intentional look like in your life? How can you be intentional? So mm. what about you? What are your, your bonds? Because I here's the thing. I don't think I have sisterhood on lock. So I'm also asking as well. 
that's a real question as well. Yeah, I mean, I would say like distilling it down to a lot of the things we talked about admiring Michelle Obama, right? Like the being proactive, the willingness to be vulnerable and go deep. Like I think those are really important. And then to build off of a little bit of what you're saying in being intentional. For example, Michelle Obama, one of her friends who she met, she met at a like a Washington DC event and was mm-hmm. like, that's a woman I want to talk to. I think because we live in a male dominated white mm-hmm. supremacist society in most social or professional settings, mm-hmm. like the amount of attention that's given to men or white men is much higher. And I'm not talking just like who's talking the most. I'm saying like, who are the people that you're trying to network with, right? Yes, Um, girl. And and I think for me, like I do have a natural tendency to, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, like in a situation, particularly a work situation, when I walk into a room, I like the first thing I do that's like not even really a conscious choice, but it happens before I can think about it. It's like, find where the people of color are. (laughs) Like I find Mm -hmm. them in the room and I seek them out. But I think something that I'm less intentional about is like finding the women in the room. Um, And and that's like my own biases. I think I have for a long time, like, and I've talked about this struggle before, like for too long been like, oh, you know, I make friends with men more easily than women. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. So I think making that conscious choice of being like, no, I'm going to seek out the women of color in this room to be the people that I'm connecting with. Mm. I think that's really important. Like, and if you're serious about sisterhood and feel like you you lack it, like that needs to be a mm-hmm. conscious step in your life. I like that. I think people want friendships to be this beautiful, organic, oh, we bumped into each other, we just met. But I think especially, and I don't want to speak out of turn, at least for me, the older I get, the more intentional I have to be. Because you're right, these schedules get filled up and our lives just keep getting busier. They do not slow down. Girl, it is March. Did you know, like time will go on with or without us. And I think the older I get, the more I have to be like, it's not going to be fluffy or I, you know, I think about how we met all the time. She had a cute Sailor Moon wallet, but it had like, she's just so, (laughs) she's just this really cool girl. She's rad. And I want her to be my friend. And she's been like, nope, I see you. I see you. And I I want to, I, I want to have that connection with you. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, the older I get, the more intentional I have to be. And I have to, and I like kind of be serious and be, like I said, work on that vulnerability. And I think that's intention and vulnerability is going to be the exercise going and moving forward towards sisterhood. Mm -hmm. So to be like open and vulnerable, like we talked a little bit about our own dilemmas and our own struggles with sisterhood. And then we were both like, but I consider you a sister. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, like we did. I was crestfallen. I felt so like we had this long conversation about like where we struggled and being mixed and what does that mean, you know, and, and all of that. And I got the photo. I was like, Dad got it to make up, but you didn't say. But I'm really glad I have you. You are a jerk. And so I was like, I was like, oh my goodness. I'm so I was, I really was. I was like, how could I have been so insensitive by not telling her what she means to me? 
I was, I was, you a know, mess. me, I don't, I don't need to hear it. I'm okay. Um, yeah. and I'm the opposite. But, I'm like, I have to I know, tell you. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, but, <laughs> but I think our journey is an interesting journey and it's different mm-hmm. because we have kind of like a couple of, of sides of, of what we're talking about. Like, while we didn't grow up together, we did kind of grow up together because we went to mm-hmm. high school together, you know, which is a big time of change for a lot of people. And we had a lot of like, I see you moments mm-hmm. in our high school careers. And, you know, and then we we didn't really talk for a decade more than that. Um, and <laughs> And then we came back together and started doing this. And I think like a big reason why our, our friendship, our sisterhood is where it is, is because one, we have that regular interaction and we've prioritized that interaction. We are open and vulnerable with each other and oftentimes putting it out into the world for everyone <laughs> else to hear. <laughs> We're here. I love that we're like, we both struggle being, but I think we'll just put it out there. Um, yeah, <laughs> throw it out into yeah. the world. Yeah, here's strangers. <laughs> and, and I think, like, even though we haven't always been close, there has been this common thread through all of our interactions where we can just show up. Like there Mm -hmm. isn't the explanation that's necessary. And I think that goes back to the very root thing (laughs) we were talking about is we know we can just show up. We don't have to explain ourselves. We Mm -hmm. know the other person is going to get what we're saying and what we're experiencing. And we know that we have each other's back. Yes. Yes. I love that. And even like I this is something we talked about. uh, Gosh, I think think on another project more information coming later where you talk about even if we have where a lot of places where we intersect in our opinions we very very differ the thread is the same i genuinely have mm-hmm. danny's back i am her champion like i want her to live not only her best life but a life that's filled with like equality and has every opportunity that i am also allowed i am so for her that even if she corrects me or disagrees with me i know it's based upon goodwill and genuine love and i think that's sisterhood as well a sister will correct you they will encourage you they will better you they will challenge you all with the thread of intention of love and respect like a friend you might not be able to do that with that (laughs) yeah and I I would say there's never been a a feeling of competition between Mm -hmm. us like I've never felt that towards you like I've never I would never revel in like your failures like that Mm -hmm. is not something like I would want for you. And I don't think your failure is my success. Like I see your success as my success. <laughs> like mm. I'm excited to see you succeed and to do great things. And I think that is also a basis of sisterhood. Mm. Oh, this is like this like quiche of sisterhood keeps getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, I'm for it. I love it. I love it because we have to, like I said, we normally like to define things by what they not what they are not. And so for us to sit here and been like it, sisterhood has a lot of complexities that we can drag friendship into it, but it is very precise and it has so much growth and healing towards it. But it does take these layers and it does take work. And so I, I really look forward to continually talk about this, but I just want to, like I said, because I'm a big one, I'm really, really thankful to have the sisters I do have and Danny being one of them because they have helped me work out through a lot of stuff. They have, you know, 
inspired me to think differently. There has been healing in some parts and I know continually having that place where I can be authentic like myself also helps me as a mixed person better understand who I am. As mixed people, we always say our racial identities is a journey. And let me tell you, going through that alone versus going through it with Danny, with my other unicorns has been so much more fruitful. I've gotten so much more mileage on it. I've been able to just just be and be un- unapologetic. And I, I hope unicorns who are struggling with that concept of sisterhood, go get you some. And that's another reason why we're doing mm. toolkits. That's why we're also in encouraging you all to discuss one another. Like nothing would make me happy to have people who say they met in the comments and reached out to each other and just became <laughs> friends. Like I could, we could stop the show there and just be like, we have done what we came here to do. Like that, that's it. I can die happy. <laughs> like, nothing would make me happy. Happier than that. It's just unicorns finding each other and having that someone to do life with. So Ah, gives me warm, warm fuzzies. Yeah. And I would say along those lines too, especially as women of color in this world, we are conditioned to feel like we have to justify our existence, that we have to compete with each other for like these limited spots. Mm. And building the sisterhood is a revolutionary act. It's an act of resistance to all of that because none of that is true and we can help and support each other. We don't have to be in competition to be like the one brown person at the table. We don't have to be in competition Mm -hmm. to be the one woman at the table. No, we are pushing each other (laughs) towards the table so that we can (laughs) overtake all of it. Yes, yes. This table is ours now. I love it. I think that that is the that I can't I can't add anymore. That is the perfect analogy and mental picture. Like mic drop. In two weeks, we'll talk about where white women stand <laughs> in all of this. Yes, it'll be good. I might. We have spoiler a lot of, alert. I, I think it's good. It's like it's not a spoiler. It's like a little appetizer. It's a little appetizer. So this is let's get into it. And we have please look at our toolkit resources. There's some really great things that we're probably going to be building on here. So. Let's do some work. I'm really excited about that. Yes. Let's <laughs> do the work. All right. Um, Tamika, we're like really happy right now. Like we're in, <laughs> in good spirits. I know. Um, but I think it's time to bring down the mood a little. I know. I can't. I was actually, I kept looking at it on our little outline. I was like, oh, this is just going to kill the whole mood the whole but it's important that let's let's just go ahead and for a short while let's just be mad just super quick all right tamika what are we mad about this week girl i'm taught like i'm that Mm, I'm mad because we're still talking about it. I should have looked back in an episode of Getting Mad to try to find me still talking about it. The golden freaking globes. How many times do we have to be like, globes so white? I can't, like, how many times do we have to keep telling them and showing force and being like, you need to change. You need to have diversity. There's a huge gap and problem here. Even the people hosting are taking jabs and commenting on this. And yet, Still, 
nothing has changed. It's, and yet still. Yes. And, and yet, yet still. still. So that's, that's <sighs> me being mad. I sent Danny an article disclosing I couldn't even finish it. And I think Danny wrote back, or maybe I didn't. And she wrote back. She's like, I couldn't even get through the rest of it because it was just. No, just I couldn't. I Malarkey. Yeah. It, it's too much. It's too much. There was like a representative from the um, the organization. I can't remember the acronym now of the organizers of the Golden Globes. And this woman was like, we pride ourselves on being a diverse group. We are so diverse. 35% of our members aren't European. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? That had, very, that had very umbrage-like tone to it. That had very, like, it's just like, they are not. They are non-European. That had very strong umbrage vibes. It was crazy. I- yeah, I'm like, and what? 60, 65% of the world is is European? Is that what you're telling me? This is, like, definitely representative of the world population? It is not. And I don't describe- know what you're trying to prove with yeah, your measly non- 35%. Yeah, describe non-European as well. I need some specifics, hunty. I was just, my left eye just started twitching. And I just got to the point where I'm like, why, why? Why are these still getting, and I know everything was different. It was different with with the pandemic, obviously. But I'm I'm just getting to that point to where a couple of things need to happen. One, the emphasis and the importance of these awards needs to stop. We need to just be like, these awards obviously are very hollow and shallow. Because a lot of them, you know, a lot of people back them up. They can put them on their movie posters. They can put it behind an actor's name or you know a director's name so many awards and i get that we need these markers in society to tell us how good something was but either we need to knock that off or we need to knock this off golden globe i just i'm there i was so angry that i can't believe we're still talking about it i know what a course correction looks like to pandering to people and sometimes in this case i'm like nah you pandered to me daggone it like i wanted them to make a course correction i wanted them to come to correct i wanted to see progress i wanted to see a change even reading about different screenings of movies that were predominantly movies uh, of color like hey we invited them to these screenings they missed it several times and as opposed to some that was predominantly white cast they had gift bags and two-day hotel stays it was an event to see the movie like these real accounts of that and it's just it's so blatant and it puts uh, it's upsetting because it is so blatant and still so supported no i i agree I agree. I think it's gross. I'm I'm not I'm not on board with any of these awards. Um I don't follow any of them. So like whenever I actually hear some news, I'm like, oh, that happened. I don't I don't even have like a time frame in my mind for when these awards take place in the year. But I do think you're right. Like th- they are important. They're important in the industry. And mm-hmm. it doesn't change the fact that like a lot of people are engaging with this form of entertainment. And so who wins the awards is determining which projects get greenlit, which projects get money, who are the next generation of directors and actors coming up through this industry. And so it's like, it's coloring our psyche in ways that we don't really have control over. Mm-hmm. Just writing it off like I do, being like, oh, I don't care about awards. It doesn't impact me is like 
kind of short-sighted because it does impact me, even if I don't care about these awards. It's going to impact the kind of entertainment that not only I see, but that my neighbors see, that everyone mm-hmm. around me sees, and then the yeah. way that they shape their opinion of me. <laughs> like, so it yes. is important, and that's why we're mad. <laughs> and I'm so mad. I'm so, so mad. And I think because it's it's just, it's like the uptick, the beginning of the award season, which I used to be, like I said, very invested in for the very same reasons that you just said, like, this is going to have an impact for the next five years of movie making and for cinema and itself. And I just keep seeing this trend after trend after trend. And I remember growing up watching like the BET Awards of Black Entertainment Awards and it not being necessarily held as seriously and people having a lot to say negatively towards it but the thing is i they went to our place like we will not be appreciated we will not be recognized in mainstream society and so i'm just like is that is that what it's gonna have to take for us to have more awards that are specific towards that but i'm like that that had these awards have been around for a long time and they have never broken into it still at least for black people they're still black famous it just perpetuate that you're black people famous and not across the board. And so I'm like, how do we penetrate into this? Like we, people have shown their outrage. It's just, there needs to be a, a greater force of people not supporting this until they allow more people, more diversity on the boards, until there is an equal way of being able to view and screen and vote on these movies. It's just, blah. it's, it's real upsetting. It shouldn't be. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, it's my problem with the arts. And I say this is somebody who works in the arts. Say it. But like film, television, theater, novels, visual art, all these things are like still so dominated by white people. And like we have this long history of a bunch of white people deciding that several pieces of mediocre white art are masterpieces. And these are the classics that we should all know. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, some mediocre white guy decided this mediocre white piece mm-hmm. of art is wonderful. Like there is so such a ra- like a vast library of art to choose from. Why are we just prioritizing this one yes. sliver of it? Yes, it's beyond frustrating. And then I think when you're talking about, oh, once again, we could minimalize it down to just an awards one. I'm like, no, it's it's a long, thought out, purposeful, driven, driven process. And like, except for two people who love the arts, respect the arts and realize the importance and impact that art has on how we view gender and race. Like you, you don't get to say that until you realize that people view you the way that they view me on screen. So you don't get to say that. So no. I'm mad. <laughs> I'm yeah. mad. We're mad. We're not going to get over it, but we are going to move on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because I can't see my blood pressure. I just can't. <laughs> no. All right. Let's just f- flip it back yeah. to just, yeah. what's making us happy. What is making you happy this week, Tamika? You know, it's always good when I can't decide when I've actually had like lots of little things, but I will, I was disciplined. I wrote it down. My happy place, it's notes to myself. <laughs> it's so I do. I, I love know. it. I love I, it. 
Is it weird? So I do this thing where I'll write no, it to myself. No, it's not weird. And I'll hide it. And I'll find it later. Like, and you think, oh, how can you forget that? You'll be surprised. So my favorite note just recently is that last Christmas, I gave you my last heart. Just kidding. Last Christmas, Christmas I wrote a letter to this <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, last Christmas, I wrote a letter to myself. We didn't know where we were going to move. We didn't know what was going on. This was, of course, obviously pre-pandemic. We didn't know. We knew we were moving, but we had no clue where. We didn't know when. We didn't know a lot of things. So I wrote this, like, basically, like, you got it. Um, I wrote this thing to myself that I was really focusing on. Enjoy the process, not the product with my art. A lot of you want just the finishness of it all instead of enjoying the actual process of it. And just like in telling myself to slow down, like it was actually a really, for me, it was really well thought out and really nice. And I hid it in our Christmas decorations and I forgot. And so uh, obviously we moved, we got our Christmas decorations super late in the game. So it was a rush and, you know, the year was crazy. And I opened it and it was just like, it just stopped me in my tracks because it's me literally telling me off. And I do that every, I'll put it in a, a book that I know I'm probably going to reread or in my spring clothes when I change over stuff like that. And I'll just put it away. And it's just so nice to hear. It sounds so narcissistic, but when you hear from yourself, it just, it sits, it hits different. Mm. And so, yeah, write a note today to yourself of what you hope for or like hey it's a rough time but I know you got this or like I hope if you're reading this things are getting better saying you're like you love yourself you you've got this and appreciate people or put it away somewhere and I hope you find it and I hope you find it at just the time when you need it so Mm. yeah I know weird but yeah no I mean (laughs) no one knows you as well as you know yourself so it makes a lot of sense but yeah, I, I love that. I have a, a definitely a couple of just been like, I wrote one which is like, you got a nice ass. And I just put it in a book that I like to reference. And I the other day I was writing something. I'm like, oh, I picked up that book I hadn't picked up in years. And it was a note to myself saying that I had a nice ass. And I was like, thank you, me. I needed that. There's a lot more of it now. But thank you. <laughs> I love it. Right mm. to yourself. That's a level of self-love. I don't know if I could get Daddy. behind with my personal life, uh, but I think it is a lovely, a lovely idea. Um, my, my. It is, it is so forced. <laughs> my happy place is also a bad choice for recording. It is a uh, homemade boba tea but i made the realization recording earlier that i can't really drink it while we're recording because then i have like stuff in my mouth <laughs> and if i need to talk I love I'm it. Like, gotta swallow this boba really fast love it love it so platform that recording so we can actually see each other which is a, a new thing like we have not been able to really see each other so i've been watching her drink this boba tea and i'm just seething with jealousy because it looks on point she's got the rainbow straw i have rainbow straw she's got the right straw it looks so good and i'm so so jealous but now she is in like that that has to happen this weekend i'm making i'm making some boba tea yeah it's you know a small joy small joy in life and i mean going out to get boba tea is nice but when we're in a pandemic so got to be like frugal with your mm-hmm. <laughs> with your decisions to go out or at least that's my choice in this world mm-hmm. and Girl. two i i'm not like super crazy about sweet drinks so if i make it at home mm. i can make it just like a little bit sweet and then it's perfect 
Mm-hmm. I agree. They, you, I normally ask for it like half as sweet. And I thought I was just getting old, but that makes me feel better. So uh, notes to yourself and Boba Tea. That sounds really nice. Stuff you can do at home. Yeah, bravo. We did good this week. Sometimes ours are so bizarre and random, but this these are really practical. Really practical. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and, and wrap it up so Demeka can make herself a boba tea and I can yes. avoid writing myself any notes. Um <laughs> <laughs> Do let us know what you think about today's episode or if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes. And don't forget to check out our toolkit. And um, mm-hmm. if you do follow through with that action, feel free to post a picture of you and your sisters on a Zoom call and tag us in it because we would love to see people connecting in this time of disconnect whenever possible. Mm-hmm. And you can reach out to us variety of ways you can send us an email biracialunicorns at gmail.com you can find us on social media we're on facebook and instagram at biracial unicorns and we are on twitter at biracial magic we want to give a huge shout out to dolly pop art who's done our iconic unicorn photo i just love looking at i never get tired of it go check her out on instagram i think she's also opened up a shop with like the cutest stickers we also want to thank the talented joseph scott for our lovely theme music a shout out to so smith Photography, who's done some lovely photos for us and yes if you have time we'd really appreciate it and be really helpful for us if you also listen to our stuff subscribe and wrote us a review just something of just it gave you the feels today just in like lots of stars like the most that would be super helpful <laughs> if you are interested in financially supporting us buy us a cup of coffee which we'll probably use it to buy boba no we uh we we support ourselves. This is all indie style. And so anything that helped us going towards pushing us and getting our information out there and making it free for everybody. And please include us in your in your action. Uh, share the toolkit as much as you possibly can. It's free for a reason. Yes, we look forward to seeing all of you enjoying the toolkit and let us know. Reach out and let us know what you think about this. If there's anything you feel like we miss that we should have included in this month's toolkit, let us know that too. We're always open for recommendations and suggestions. All right, y'all. Awesome. We will be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode. Mm -hmm. All right, peace. Out.